Hello, this is Gary Van Wormerdam, and this is a version of the Awareness and Consciousness podcast, whether you're getting this by audio or video. And today's topic is self-awareness. And I've talked a lot about happiness and belief systems, and we'll narrow it down to self-awareness because I think this is one of the keys to happiness. It's one of the keys to getting by in this world without living in illusions and chaos and drama and suffering. At least that's how I've been going about it. And I want to take this opportunity with a lot of chaos that we've seen, particularly with the elections in the U.S. at this time, just to use it as an example and not to take a side on who's right or who's wrong. But to me, a more interesting question is, why is it so difficult for people to tell? Why is there such a strong narrative of group A that group B is completely wrong and asleep and disillusioned? And group B feels like they have the truth and that group A is delusional and wrong and, and lost in a story in a dream. And to me, this is the more fundamental problem then who's right and who's wrong. It's what are we basing it on? So to do that, I just want to distill down to one component of self-awareness. I like to take a big topic and just take one part of it and understand one part and let that seed settle and say, let's include that in our understanding of why people have conflicts, why they have trouble listening to each other, why they have trouble getting along or working things out or coming to a, an agreed upon reality. Cause it, cause it affects us not just in say a political election uh, where is there fraud or is there not fraud, but how we relate to our partner, whose turn is it to do the chores? Should we be suspicious of our partner, maybe in jealous, or is that a made up thing in our head? Because the mechanism of, what we believe, what we perceive reality, uh, is our partner trustworthy or not? Am I a good person or not? These are all based in belief systems. Do I feel unworthy? Am I insecure? These are all also caused by the mind that take us deep into a narrative story. And is it true or is it not true? How do we tell the difference? Because here's an interesting component. There's a part of our mind, brain, that its purpose is to discern the difference between what is truthful and what is a lie. What is, what is real and what is fiction? What is a made up thing in my head? What's reality? And let's say there's a, there's a circuit in the brain. There's an area of brain to do this. And there's actually areas of the brain that do this, that allow us to be aware even that, that, that we're having a daydream or a nightdream. The, it's not exactly narrowed down yet. I can't say here it is and this is what it does. But for people who a lot of lucid dreaming, which means they're asleep at night, and they become aware that their mind is dreaming are very active in certain areas of the brain that do that, that are 
that normal people, people who don't have lucid dreams, which, or don't have it that often, don't have that part of the brain become active at night when they're sleeping. So let's say that ability to become aware my mind is making up fantasy is like a switch. It turns on, say in a lucid dreaming case, person you become aware, oh, my body's asleep, or this is a dream, it's a made up thing. But it, for most people, most of the time when we're dreaming, that switch is turned off. That part of the brain is asleep during the nighttime. That part of our brain goes to sleep at night. That's what's normal. And we have a dream that can have us completely disconnected with reality. I can have a dream where I'm driving. I had this dream. I'm driving down the road, uh, going 60 miles an hour. I pull over into a convenience store. I get some snacks. I get something to drink. I get back on the road. I'm going 60 miles an hour down the road. And I realized that I never actually got in my car at the convenience store. It's still parked at the convenience store. And I'm going down the road kind of floating, but at 60 miles an hour. And this is how unaware I am in the dream. I think, oh no, I can't be doing this on the road at 60 miles an hour. So I turn myself around and float at 60 miles an hour down the other lane, go back to the convenience store, get in my car and then drive down the road. Like it wasn't okay, but it was enough okay that I didn't like, hey, this isn't reality. <laughs> so I only had partial awareness that things don't add up and I fixed it so that it kind of made sense. But I wasn't aware enough to recognize, oh no, I must be dreaming. This is fantasy, this is fiction. So that part of the brain, you can have a little bit awake, a little bit uh, reality check, you can have a lot to question what is my mind making up and what is it not? And typically our nighttime dreaming mind, that whole part of the brain is asleep. And that part of the brain, my background, I've learned to call it the reason. It's that part of the brain that's doing a rationality check. Is this reasonable? Is this not reasonable? Does this make sense? Am I just inside a bubble in my own mind or am I engaged in the world? Part of the brain mind, that I've, I've come to call, it's doing the reasoning check for that. I call it the reason. So let's just call it the reason because we'll call it something. And the reason is generally asleep at night. And it's also asleep or dormant during the day, much of the time. So we say, how do people believe in this delusion? How do people get caught up in a delusion? How do people get caught up in believing conspiracy theories or not believing them because we feel they're true? How, do, how does, of course, that person believe in a delusion when I know I have the reality, which is what everybody on every side thinks they have? That part of the brain, the mind, the reasoning system is not working at 100% somewhere. But it's not working in 100% somewhere for all of us. We intentionally turn it off 
when we're watching a movie. We want to lose ourselves into the story. We intentionally turn it off when we're reading a book and fiction. We want to lose ourselves into the story. It's not conditioned to be on 100% of the time. We were actually born with it somewhat turned off. If you think of the stories we told or, or were told and what we believed growing up, we believed in Santa Claus and people said they came down the chimney and gave us presents and we said, okay. And the tooth fairy will take our teeth. We weren't exactly what they did with them, but they gave us money. So we said, okay. And there was an Easter bunny that laid chocolate eggs. Okay, first it's a bunny laying eggs and they're chocolate. And we said, okay, was our reasoning function checking these bits of information with reality? No, absolutely not. So our, our early on childhood did not have a high functioning reason, a good awareness check. So in a way, our default state early on was to not have that part of our brain or reasoning system developed. About two years old, we started to ask questions. Why? Well, why, why is the sky blue? And if we do this, why does that happen? And, and we began to develop this kind of understanding of cause and effect. Their logic circuit of trying to make sense of things how do things work? What's reality? What actually makes things happen and what doesn't? And where am I just making up things? And that's where you start to see the, the brain and the mind start to develop this kind of reasoning capability. As we grow up, we go to school and we strengthen that reasoning capability. And with various people to lesser and stronger degrees. Mathematics is a very rigorous reasoning capability. It's kind of developed scientific thought. Do these things add up? And can we track these connections in great detail? Is a reasoning ability. That's good about the science. That's good about the math. That's good about the facts of the external world. We may or may not then apply that reasoning ability to our own thinking. Is the story, is the narrative I'm in truthful or not? It's very easy to have that reasoning, that scrutiny, which we'll call skepticism of other people and other things that apply that reasoning ability. Is that person telling me the truth? Do those facts add up? It's another thing to then do a self-inquiry or a self-awareness of those facts or those ideas and question them, are those things a made up narrative? Are there holes in my story? So, so not only do you need to develop this reason, which we generally apply to the external world in school, in facts, in science, in just functioning, Hey, do I have enough gas in my car to get there? Yes, I do. Okay, we're good to go. No, I don't. I'll need to stop at the gas station. Like we've done this calculation of what will work and what won't work. And then there's the other calculation of, are, are we able to apply that 
scrutiny and skepticism to our own thought process when we're afraid of what other people think of us, when we are evaluating, is a stock going to go up? Is a stock going to go down? Or do we get caught up in the air of, oh, it's going to go up. I'm going to make so much money. And then, you know, loans, lo and behold, a surprise, it was a bubble and the stock crashes with market crashes. And yeah, that's a painful loss of money. I've been there. I got very caught up in a narrative in the past, got so excited and so believed and that when it went down, I bought more. <laughs> I didn't scrutinize my own narrative. Why would we not do that? The idea of the outcome is so seductive. The attachment to the outcome of the story was stronger than reality. Or now, it wasn't stronger than reality, but I was more focused on this attachment and living in this narrative non-reality. And my self-awareness was asleep. My reasoning circuit was turned off. And so I wasn't skeptical of my own thought process and it's not just a matter of, oh, I got caught up in emotion. That's dismissing it. That is not getting to the heart of the issue. That's just like, oh, it was emotional. And you're not understanding that you could change it. And how do you change it? That there's other parts of the process than just being emotional because that's, that's an excuse. That they then caused you to dismiss looking for other possibilities of what's going on and changing it, because if you just dismiss it and get emotional, then what's the answer? Don't get emotional? No. Be more aware. Be more self-aware is another option. You don't want to compress those emotions, but you also want to have those emotions without turning off your reasoning, skepticism capability. Because emotions are great. One of the reasons that people get caught up in emotion is, or they think it's emotion, it looks like emotions, feels like emotions. Emotions are a powerful part of the illusion circuit. Oh, my stock's going to go up, my real estate's going to go up, I'm going to make so much money. I'm in this future version of self feels so great. My relationship, oh, this is the one for me. We're in this imaginant daydream just like a nighttime dream, the same kind of mind is generating a story, a whole dream. We're carried away going 60 miles an hour, but it's not grounded on anything. The car isn't there. And our ability to believe in something, believe in a narrative, generates a whole experience in our nervous system, in our body, in our feeling, that now it feels like it's happening. And that feeling gives us feedback. And our brain uses that as evidence. Oh, this is real. This is happening. So we actually generate the feeling by believe something, by believing something in this made up dream. Feel it. And our brain goes, oh, this feels like it's true. And now emotion that's from a made up dream 
is falsely used as evidence. And this part of active imagination becomes so carried away that our scrutiny and skepticism, part of our brain goes asleep, or at least becomes dormant. It's not being applied well enough. So the solution here is greater awareness. The development of a skepticism, not just of what's going on in the world, but of our own thought process, our belief, our paradigms, our assumptions, our expectations, where are our emotions coming from? Awareness of all of those things, how they, the story we tell ourselves affects our emotions, how we can get carried away, and the ability to navigate this incredible imagination and continue to discern with awareness what is truthful and what's a made up story while very emotional things are happening like elections and potential fraud and conspiracy and, and, and it very much can affect our lives and the people around us. So there's a lot of emotional investment. So this is a very important component to have, not just what's true, but what is my thought process and is it true also? So we have to turn that focus back on ourselves in a self-awareness process. This is what I teach in the self-mastery course uh, on my website. I teach these kind of, how to, how to dismantle these stories we get carried away with. So you can learn those there in the exercises and practices in the self-mastery program. Now, what makes this more interesting is not just that the solutions development of this self-awareness skepticism process that can tell us not just how to make better relationship decisions, how to be more aware of our emotions and not get carried away in illusions of investing in the stock market when it's a bubble and losing money or discerning between is an election of fraud or is it valid? All of these things we can get caught up in wasteful in our emotions. So that's an important component. But that's not the only thing the brain and the mind do. Our brain and our mind do a lot of other things that make this a bit more challenging to have this awareness and discernment and a good reasoning mind about our own self and the world while very emotional things are going on is our brain and our mind, like I said earlier, is also engaged in creating fiction, made up stories, fantasy, dreams. One of the big functions of our mind is to make up stuff when we're dreaming at night. And our mind continues to make up stuff during the day. It makes up stuff that's completely disconnected with reality. If we're on our way to work, we're imagining how a meeting's gonna go. We can imagine it's gonna go great. Does it go exactly like that? No, does it go, we might imagine it's gonna go terrible. Does it go exactly like that? No. It never goes, kind of, my experience, exactly the way you imagine it. But our mind continues to propose narrative stories about what will happen. It remembers what did happen in the past and replays those. Pulling us into a narrative story complete with a whole visual, auditory, auditory soundtrack, 
emotional feelings and wants to pull us into this kind of dreaming remote where we're imagining that we're there. So the whole time that our mind needs to be telling us or guiding us to what's truth and what's fiction, our mind is also pulling us into fiction. And these are very opposed to each other. Think about that. The very thing that you rely on, your mind, this device, to tell you the truth, to tell you what is truthful and what is a made up story, is also the device that's pulling us and generating it, that's generating narrative stories and pulling us into them. Causing us to lose ourselves in our thoughts, loops, emotional cycles into daydreams during the day. Imagine versions of, of, of greatness happening for us in the future or imagine versions of disaster and catastrophe and terrible things will happen to us and fearful ways the future is gonna go. Our mind is there offering us these narrative, full experience dreams to wander into and get lost in. And to stay out of them, we also have this circuit we have to apply, this awareness that does the reasonableness check, that does the scrutiny and skepticism. But its default state is not always on. The real awareness has to be worked on to keep it going and apply it. There's a Nobel Prize winning author, Daniel Kahneman, and he talks about what he, the book is called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, or Think Fast, Think Slow. It's about the different parts of our brain that do different things. There's a very impulsive part that immediately wants to grab an answer. And it's kind of satisfied with the quick answer. Sort of emotional response. And then there's this, let's apply some scrutiny, is that really true? And the second part of the brain, second character that comes along and really evaluates things and says, no, no, that doesn't add up. And that you have to work to build that circuitry in the brain so that it's stronger. To really question the stories and the impulsive parts and the emotional parts and the narrative stories they create so that you can pull yourselves out of them and the emotional loops they create. And that's why I mostly focus on the drama and emotional pain we create for ourselves that way with things like jealousy and anger and insecurity and anxiety, self-judgment. The voice in our head says, that inner critic says about us, we're, we're supposedly our own harshest inner critic, right? But that's what is the narrative story of our mind telling over and over. Something that as you gain awareness and you learn to apply some skepticism, you recognize, well, none of that is true. And then you break the emotional cycle and you break the unworthiness and you break the, the fear of it as well. But you need to develop that part of your brain and apply it inward. Not just the skepticism to 
those things don't add up, but apply it to the your own thought process. That's when the real interchange happens. So to summarize, why do people believe things that aren't true? Why do people get caught up in what do you want to call it? Conspiracy theories or or, or dramas, jealousy, uh, anything in this political spectrum right now, or believe in global warming or don't believe in global warming. Why do they take one side of it? And and we can say there's certainly uh, somebody's missing the facts. And of course whether you're in camp A or camp B, you believe the other side is missing the facts. But the real question is to find the truth. You have to scrutinize your own side. You have to question it. Do my facts add up? Where are they coming from? Am I caught in an emotional loop? To do that requires self-awareness and taking the skepticism and doubts you have and say, let me apply them to my own thought process because there I might find some false beliefs. Or has my mind tricked me into a false narrative because it's busy generating narrative stories and dreams all the time and I've been pulled into one, which is what the mind does. And that discernment of this is a skill. It happens to us not because we're, we're emotional or we're too emotional. No, that lack of discernment happens because we haven't developed that part of our brain enough, the reason enough, and, and learn to apply not just skepticism on what other people say and doubt and then you know feel superior and right, but apply it to our own sense of superior and right and our own facts and question them and say, maybe these are stories. And it's humbling. It's humbling because in that bubble of our story, we feel we're absolutely right. And feeling right and we've got the truth and somebody else is wrong, that's a nice ride for our ego self-image, that's a nice dream to be in. And some people can live there a whole life and never question themselves. And they feel good about it. And to burst that bubble, that's emotionally painful. But it has a consequence not to burst it. A lot of times it'll get burst like when I lost a lot of money on that stock, reality hits you. And the relationship, it's not what I believed it was. The stock wasn't what I believed it was. The XYZ that I believed in wasn't true. And that bursting of my non-reality bubble, that's painful too. But then reality, when you sit with that, it's a lot nicer. So appreciate the mind that generates fantasy, but be consciously aware. Am I going to go in for this fiction, for this movie? Good. When am I going to step out and question my beliefs and see if they're true? Not just question other people's beliefs, but question my own. That's self-awareness. That's how you build it. That's how you strengthen the muscle. 
That's how you get out of the narrative loops uh, before your bubble bursts or prevent yourself from getting deep into them uh, and get taken for a ride. Yeah, are we sheep? Are we sheep believing somebody else's story? We can be sheep to our own mind generating a narrative story and follow it and not know we're lost in our own story. This is, this is what more often happens with people uh, than believing somebody else's story. We believe what we think without properly questioning it, without even the skills to, to be skeptical of it in an effective way. And so just as a practical matter, as a self-awareness self-check, to put this into action and maybe kind of more of a test of where are you putting in action is is self-awareness something you do or something you like to think about so here's a question or two to ask yourself what was the last time you admitted you were wrong said you were sorry yeah, that's an indicator of looking at it from somebody else's point of view, taking on some humility and responsibility that where you're questioning yourself and finding a better outcome for yourself. Or self-awareness check number two. When was the last time you pointed out to someone what they were doing an opinion they had, a method they had, and said, that's a better point of view. That's a better way of doing it. I'm going to adopt that. That you let go of whatever your paradigm was, your approach was, and you could acknowledge that there was a better method. Or maybe self-awareness check number three. When was the last time you noticed you had an opinion and you realized that you didn't have the facts behind that opinion? Maybe you'd heard that opinion repeated on the news, certain circles. You'd adopted it, but you hadn't done research in two directions. A, to see what credible research there was supporting it that wasn't just opinion. But B, and this one may be more important, credible research that discounted it. Because it's easy to go find other people that believe with us, no matter what we believe. But have you taken the time to go read some credible sources or from people with opposing points of view? Because then you're really questioning the story you're in. And if you don't remember the last time you've done any one of these three things or something like it, then self-awareness may be more of something that you like as an idea as opposed to a practice. And if that's the case, maybe you like that and that's good. Stay in that story. 
But if you realize that feels uncomfortable, then that may be a move towards humility and questioning the story you tell yourself. Because sometimes self-awareness is uncomfortable. But the growth is worth it. For more on developing those skills and self-awareness and self-inquiry of your own beliefs so you can get out of your narrative stories, you can check out the self-mastery courses on my website, pathwaytohappiness.com. And strengthen your reasoning ability to wake up from those dreams and those narrative stories. That's one part, one component of self-awareness that'll help. This is Gary Van Warmerdam from pathwaytohappiness.com.